Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. WBZ, you are Jay talking. We're live midnight to five. And Dean and President Michael Korn is in from the Massachusetts School of Law. Hello, sir. Hello, Bradley. How are you tonight? You're in the studio, which is nice. You were on the phone last time due to inclement weather. Right. But it's uh, nice to be back. By the way. I think this is relevant. You, uh, you, you've slipped and fallen in the past. I have. We have a lot of people who are getting up there. The balance isn't what they used to, uh, used to have. You found some shoes that really you love. They grip. I do. I have a public service announcement because uh, okay. shortly after my last um, uh, appearance on the show, uh, we had a huge snowstorm that night. It got icy around the, uh, especially north north of Boston, and uh, next day or so. I ended up falling yet again, and as you know, uh, this is, I think, my fourth anniversary uh, of, of being here when I had broken half the ribs in my body from falling one winter night, Yeah, and then I uh, broke my uh, leg from falling with respect to um, off a ladder. Um, so balance and those types of things, especially as we get older, become problematic. So. I decided when I fell recently that I was going to find a pair of shoes that would help uh, with respect to making sure that I could stay upright through the winter and not have another uh, major uh, problem. And so I went online and I Googled it extensively and I found at L.L. Bean, they have shoes that have what they call an Arctic grip on the bottom of it. They're waterproof. They aren't particularly attractive, um, but they absolutely work to the point where not only did I buy myself a pair, I bought my friend Diane a similar pair uh, as well, and my son then wanted a pair. We love them because the fact is, is that especially as we get older, the balance is not as good, the making sure you're careful on the ice and the snow is not is not simply as easy, and so uh, falls, and I started to get into this a little further, falls are really the number three cause of death or injuries are in the United States, and especially for older people, um, there's data, and we could talk about this some other time, but every second of every minute of every day, um, an older individual falls, and potentially uh, that is going to significantly impact their quality of life. That's a lot of falling. It, it's a lot of fall. It was, I've fallen and I can't get up, right? <laughs> We've all seen that. Yeah. But the point is, is that we have to do more, especially as we get older, to be more careful. And these shoes from LLB um, are a tremendous uh, sense of security, as especially in the Northeast when we look at lots of ice and snow over the course of the next two months. So be, you, it really is worth it. And I said especially for you, who you walk around a lot, you're out a lot, um, the, the idea of making sure that we can do it without creating additional bumps and bruises and all the rest makes a lot of sense. I saw my oldest son the other day. He still had, like I always had, is um, soccer shoes he was wearing, which have virtually no bottom whatsoever and are completely flat um, and very slippery. I said, you got to get a better pair of shoes. I said, that's the mistake I made when I broke my ribs. So... 
Uh, I so, thought it was important to start to think about it, especially, and I think a lot of folks probably think about, well, are there things we should be doing better? And they certainly are in this regard. And I love, love my new shoes. Do they have, have the Arctic grip? Do they have studs in the bottom? Like, what? What no, is the gripping mechanism? They're not, they're not studs, but I can show you if you look. There's raised pieces on it. Raised there's, pieces. There's raised pieces on it that actually say when you buy these shoes, it says. You know, be careful wearing them on floors because they will mark up the floors. And in an honest to God, they really do start to almost feel like they're sticking to the floor. My son, Jerry, we uh, was talking to him Sunday. So that was yesterday. And he said he was out on the ice. He was ice. He was going to be ice fishing, but he couldn't uh, get the hole dug because his feet kept moving. He realized he forgot to put his pair of shoes on. Went back in the house, got his shoes, and he said, and it really was, he said it was easy to dig the holes, it was easy to walk across the ice, because even on ice, even on a sheet of ice on a pond, he could then stay flat without sliding all over the place. So they really, they do what they say. So it's a product that actually um, does as it delivers. Um, and it's, uh, it's uh, it just gives me a great deal of comfort with the problems that I've had over the last few years. You can be, be the Larry King of gripping shoes. <laughs> no, no, but if you think about it, I hadn't thought about it till I said, okay, listen, this is stupid. How many years have to go on before you yeah. actually take a, good. a serious step? So it has the regular rubber-looking lugs, and then it has scattered around some they're slightly further raised black rubber lugs, and then in that black rubber, they have specks of blue. And maybe... the there's something in the blue that's hard, firmer than the rest. I have I have no idea what what technology is at work there, but it I just saying that it absolutely works. And the thing is, if you remember, I've tried other things when I had the broken leg or the Achilles and the like, um, uh, especially those things you you put on the shoe that have the little metal spikes yeah. on the bottom. But the problem with those when I've used them is so okay. That's great. But then if I'm on concrete or tile. You fall or, down immediately. Yeah, right. It's It becomes even more slippery. So I have to take them off. I have to be aware of when I come onto any, like a, a metal manhole cover. Oh, sure. Or cement floor. I have to. You have to be careful. You can't walk on that stuff. You're more likely to fall down than you would be on ice without them. Well, exactly. Because that's, so I when I've tried those, I said, no, this isn't going to work because half the time I'm on a surface other than ice and, and I'm indoors and the like, and that clearly is going to cause problems. So um, I was, uh, I'm just very, this is one of the best things I've purchased. What's the name? Us. What's the name of them? It, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm not sure what the actual name other than the bottom of it has what they call Arctic grip, A-R-T-I-C grip. And it's just a, you know, from a, LLB. a winter boot from LLB, but it's a low boot. It's a slip on probably what, three or four inches high. Yeah. You just saw it. Um, Waterproof, which is nice because my feet were getting wet from the other shoes I was wearing, and I hate having wet feet in the winter because yeah. they're cold. I figure if my feet are warm and dry and my top of my head is warm and dry, then you're not as cold and you're not as uncomfortable. I always That was always my rule, whether you were coaching on the soccer field or wherever you are or skiing, 
those those two things have to be so, well taken care of. This is kind of relevant to the first case we're going to get to. If, in fact, you went on ice and slipped using your Arctic grip, <laughs> would L.L. Bean be on the hook for no, presenting, I, you know, a product that will not slip on safer. ice? Well, they, I don't think they say it won't slip on ice, but it is designed to prevent you from slipping on, on ice. Well, I think... Like, for instance, uh, uh, on a street where you occasionally have some ice, yes, I think it's going to be greater protection. But if you wear it like my son did on a frozen sheet of ice on a lake, well, the fact is is that you should expect that that may not be a bulletproof prevention. And I don't think any of us should think that regardless of what we buy when they say it'll make things safer. And this certainly makes it safer than, yeah. for instance, my I wonder if they, have, they must have a disclaimer somewhere and says, you know, still be careful on ice because this is not 100%. Well, I'm sure the lawyers have advised uh, that. They, but, but, but do you really have to advise something that's yeah. probably common sense these days? Yes. yes. Probably. Because well, yeah. <laughs> of guys Everything like me. Everything you see a, a, a warning against, do not do this. Like, do not put the toaster in the tub while it's plugged <laughs> in. Is the reason that's there is because someone did that. <laughs> well, no, because someone sued, <laughs> and someone sued because of it, and so now they have to say, you know, listen, McDonald's never gave the warning. Don't put this yeah. ridiculously hot cup of coffee between your privates. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, there is a case where a uh, the dorm case. Can you spell that out? Sure. Uh, and then we'll break. And after you spell it out, and then we'll cover it. There was a case. The case was reported. It's in Suffolk Superior Court. It's a civil piece of lit litigation. A BU student is suing Boston University and some of the individuals associated with security at BU because of their new dorm facility, which is a huge high-rise overlooking the Mass Pike, which has uh, security guards at the entrance, and it's a secure facility, meaning you have to sign in, sign out. Um, and what happened to her during her um, um, sleeping in the dorm is that two intruders uh, came into her room sometime during the night, and she was sexually assaulted. And so she sued BU because as she saw it, sees it, BU said that it was a secure dorm, gave her the appearance that they took pains to make sure that the students there were safe, and I'm sure in part that that was message was delivered to parents as well um, and that they, they despite the security efforts which they failed to follow as she sees it she was sexually assaulted and therefore BU uh, is liable to her and the individuals she's suing are liable to her for failing to deliver on the promise of providing a secure environment at the school if you live in student housing and the university has a you know counterpoint and that is? Well, it's a pretty significant point. They say that um, she could have taken steps as well to do a more for her own safety, one of which is lock your door. And um, at least in part, their defense is that you uh, had the ability to prevent this uh, period by simply taking a, the simple step of locking your door. Now, um, you know, the fact is, in fairness to BU's position, they did provide some security. There were security guards there. The IDs and the electronic uh, admission uh, devices tried to make sure that um, non-invited guests were not present in the building, and there were surveillance cameras. Um, but, but her point is, is that 
um, but you still should have done more. You should have followed some of your own procedures here. How can these folks, they had entered, I guess, a total of about 10 rooms over the course of the time they were there uninvited. Uh, they were wandering about uh, numerous floors that you would have thought should have been seen on surveillance cameras yeah. and the like. And, and so why, do, why didn't you follow at least even your own procedures that you, uh, you, you touted to us as being able to, to keep us safe? But, 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 but BU's point is, listen, at the end of the day, we can do a lot, but, but we're not your parents. You have the a free will and you have free choices. And some of those choices, especially as young adults on a college campus, um, can result in, in, in unfortunate actions. And, and here, you had it in your power to take the most important step to protect your safety uh, and didn't. So what they actually did is they moved to dismiss the case, saying this case shouldn't even go forward. Uh, it should be thrown out before we get any discovery or any facts about additional information. And the judge uh, in the Superior Court denied the motion to dismiss and said, no, I think there's enough here that if she's able to um, uh, provide the facts that support they're not following their own policies, they didn't take the appropriate steps, they had the, the greater ability to prevent this um, significant danger and didn't do it, that that could prove a case against, of negligence against the university. But the, but the law has shifted significantly in this area over the, the, the last uh, century because originally um, the colleges and universities in essence were seen as in loco parentis, and I know you like your Latin, but in, in place of the parents, that they had an obligation to take real pains to protect the students uh, at their universities. And, and if you think about it, especially these days when room, tuition, room, and board uh, at many of our private colleges and universities are 50, the north of $50,000. Um, it, this is not simply a landlord-tenant relationship. This is that you are, at least in part, representing uh, the guidance that you hope parents provide children and hopefully the secure environment. Um, and if you're not, then maybe that disclosure needs to be made to a much greater extent up front because hey we're not going to be your parents well and and that's the important thing i think that 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 we have to start to think about here because it, as a parent if you think about it okay so we know that on these college campuses um, there are numerous immature individuals there's there's alcohol there's drugs there are uh, lots of bad decisions over the period of the the time folks are there. Should the university, with an understanding of this to a far greater extent than, than any individual or landlord or even a parent could have, should they then take steps to educate the uh, students and the parents about those risks to a much greater extent and then be responsible if something happens? Because that's in part as you, as you dig a little deeper on the case and you start to think about it, Yes, there's, a, there's some good points BU makes about these are young adults who are free to make their own decisions. They have left home. They don't want, and they are, by law, adults at this point. They don't want someone controlling all their actions. Right. But if, do we? If they're, they're going to tell you that uh, you're, you know, you're, you're on your own, well, it's tough for me to know. If they're, if they're going to be responsible, if they're going to be on the hook for this, 
then they're going to have to be able to have a greater say in what the students do, a little more control over their behavior. And students don't want to be controlled right. like that, even if their parents do. So there, there is a, a delicate balance here between trying to recruit the students to, to and to, yeah. to might grow say, those students in, in, over the period of the four or five years that they're they, there. They might say, if we're going to be on legal hook when bad things happen, we're going to say curfew, 11 o'clock. Well, we're gonna, we are going to return back to the, no overnight visitors, no visitors on the residence floors. There's going to be things that, as you think about, that we're going to return perhaps yeah. to the period of the 50s where college campuses and the dorms especially weren't as open. I mean, there are co-ed floors now. There are co-ed dorms. There are no restrictions on, on visitors at certain places. Are, are we prepared to return to that if we're going to tell the university that at the end of the day, if something happens, um, you may be liable for the damages that flow, even though there are some yep. common sense things that say you could have been avoided here but at the same point, we would hope our children aren't subject to sexual assaults or, or other violent activities on our campuses, especially where the universities are aware that the, this is the culture that, that may well be out there to some extent. So, folks, who do you think is more at fault, the university or the student? The university, it seems, if I understand correctly, did fail to prevent persons going in there that shouldn't have been there, but the victim did could have you know used the tool provided her the locked door and also you know prevented a problem who do you think's more folks who do you think's more to blame what do you think do you have a thought on that the the portioning of the blame or do you want to just let the the people decide i'd like to hear what the <laughs> the people think with respect to where you're going to place it my my initial impression though in part and it usually would be this way anyway is to decide with the plaintiff simply because uh, if she can develop the facts as to the length of time these folks were there, such that security so the should have gross taken steps. breach of exactly of, uh, promise. Exactly, it, it's one thing to say that there weren't opportunities by Boston University to prevent this because it happened relatively quickly. It's another thing if these folks were wandering the the hallways for hours and hours throughout the course right. of the night when people are sleeping. And um, the one thing that comes to mind, and I'd like to know from discovery, from the information that will ultimately be exchanged between the parties, is uh, are there no surveillance cameras on the upper floors? Um, and, and, and if there aren't, at least in part, I'm sure she can find a security expert that would say there should be, at least to shoot the hallway. If you're talking right. about a secure facility, to at least have someone looking at a monitor to see if there's any untoward activities taking place there. And then the converse of that is if there are cameras, well, no one over the course of these hours saw these folks just wandering the halls and entering rooms because that would be troubling as well. Folks, what do you think? Who's more to blame here? Let's go to Bob in Newton first. Say hi to Dean Coyne. Hi, Dean. Bob. Uh, Bob from Newton. Hey, Bob. How are uh, you? Full disclosure, I'm an attorney, and I actually, uh, along with a couple of my partners, represent the estates of the two doctors in the South Boston murders. Oh. So I'm very in tune with uh, negligent security cases. Uh, I, I'm wondering, though, uh, we don't have a handful of facts, at least I haven't heard them. Um, were these students 
uh, these two people? No, they were uh, brought in by two by a student who signed them in. I think those the two uh, individuals were students at MIT who were signed in by a Boston University student uh, to the the residence dorms. Okay, so they didn't sneak into the building uh, unlawfully or against policy or rules. Uh, well, they were then against the policy and rules part of it is that those guests then who are signed into the building are supposed to be with the person that signed them in throughout, and then that person then has to also um, go down to the lobby to sign them out upon um, their departure. And that's where um, the plaintiff says that the rules were violated, that instead of— So, um, so the two ahead. hosts left but left the uh, guests in the building? Yes. Yes. And they and how was security supposed to know that they left? Uh, how was security supposed to know that they... Were no longer accompanied. Oh, were no longer accompanied? Uh, yeah. Well, that, but that's the question that Bradley and I were just saying, at least in part, if you're touting it as the same... Uh, well, to me, a similar situation to the South Boston case is that if you're touting it as a highly secure facility um, where at least the tenants are paying a premium for that security but then that's not delivered by either there aren't surveillance cameras within the hallways or that there is no uh, patrolling of those hallways throughout the, uh, the significant period of time where these folks are allowed to wander in and out of. Uh, my understanding is they, were, uh, they entered somewhere around 10 dorm rooms uh, unattended like this, and no one, at least we don't, not aware, presently aware, but I think discovery has just begun, whether security saw them or didn't see them or took any, we know they didn't take any steps. We don't know to what extent they were aware of the activity and didn't do anything about it. Did, did any of the residents uh, who were uh, had their places entered before they entered the plaintiff's place uh, report these people? Uh, again, we don't know that, but they did enter another um, uh, unit where one of the um, uh, students, were, uh, her roommate was awake, and when they entered it, there was some, I don't, I don't want to call it a commotion because it really, the article didn't describe it fully. Uh, right. Were, so they, they, they then exited that room but then continued to enter other rooms. So I don't know whether that was reported, into, and if it was reported, it would appear nothing was done about it. But again, I think that's why the judge, at least in part, denied the motion to dismiss. We just don't have enough of those facts yet to tell us whether right. a jury is, is going to have enough evidence to find BU responsible here. Well, well, maybe it's a little inside baseball, but you don't really get to was the resident uh, negligent until you have a jury determine that the school was negligent or the security exactly. service was negligent. And, 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 and maybe Dean could talk about that. But, you know, I, I, I think it's a tough case for the plaintiff because they got into the building lawfully. I don't know how much more you can do then. Uh, I, I actually I don't disagree with you that I think it's a tough case for the plaintiff. I think the problem is, though, from the from BU's standpoint, is to the extent that she will at some point be able to show that these two were then allowed to wander uh, throughout the building, entering numerous units where BU security staff uh, should have been aware and did nothing about it. Hey, that may be enough to to shift the. It does jury. create a dangerous environment. Like, what if somebody had to go and use the bathroom? What if you know she could have been vulnerable to these very people down the road if they, you know, had been in there a long time? And they're, and they're saying and charging 
money for a building that is called a high-security building, then I don't know. That's a dangerous yeah, environment. And, you know, it's very interesting. The um, use of surveillance cameras is very controversial uh, because of competing issues of security on the one hand and privacy on the other. So, so obviously, you're not going to have uh, security cameras in the rooms. But in the hallways, is that too intrusive? In the elevators, is that too intrusive? No, I mean, it, it, it's a security. real difficult conundrum uh, for schools. And, and, you know, my case is totally different because we have a condominium building, and but, but it's still the same thing. People don't necessarily want ele- uh, cameras in the elevators. I, I, I hear you, but let me, let me ask you this, Bob, as, as a lawyer. Do you think that the university – does owe a greater responsibility to students, young individuals who are there, than a than a typical landlord, though. What do you think the law would do with respect to that? You, you know, I mean, the, the lead case is Mullins versus Pine Manor. I don't right. know if you remember that case. I do. It was uh, it was reported in the article from the other day as well. Well, it, it, it's it's worth a read because it's really the leading case that that guides any of us who are doing negligent security cases. I, I think they do have probably a heightened standard over a, a condominium or a, an apartment building. And you know what? You know the irony of it all is that if you have an apartment building with absolutely no security, you don't have any you know lock on the front door maybe, but no cameras, no concierge, no security guard. You're better off than where you do have what I call the veneer of security, right. where people think they're getting great security like the BU case, like our case over in South Boston, where there's no security, you don't expect it and you don't get it. And and, and it, it, I think it would be a much harder case where there's no security rather than there's bad security. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate the call. Good, good, good call. Thanks, Bob. You can get a sense of what side Bob leans on, can't you? Well, not not really, actually, because the South Boston case, I think, is a highly interesting case as well. Those are the two doctors that right. were murdered in their own apartment. Um, and the fact is, is that uh, the criminal case was, was a bygone conclusion. He was found in the apartment, and, it, you know, we knew he likely did it and would be convicted. We, everyone wanted to know why he would do something, but we always look for for reason where these horrendous acts take place and there often isn't. But 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 the problem from the standpoint of the, the condominium unit and the like is that this was an individual who previously worked there. Um, shouldn't they individuals have been better screened? It, it appears that he had a criminal record at the time he was hired yeah. uh, at the at the building. And then once they did become aware of, of, of his uh, potential violent past, sh- shouldn't they then have in my opinion, up the security a little bit because they had provided him access to the premises and had sold the units in part to the tenants as a highly secure and 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 a building and and a great place to to be able to spend a fortune now uh, in South yeah. Boston in the seaport for apartments. So so Bob's last point is right is almost that no security is better than touting it as a a secure building but not providing a sufficient level of security because people had end up having a false sense that they're safe when otherwise their antenna might be up and they'd take more steps of their own just as BU was arguing here lock the door well I might have locked the door if I thought it, I was I was as unsecure as I now appear to believe I was Diane in Nashua New Hampshire what do you think well, I certainly feel for the young lady that was sexually molested. 
But I do feel in this day and age, anybody who lives in a college dorm is a fool not to lock their door. And I think the burden of liability should fall upon the two students who lived in the dorm who signed responsibility for watching those yeah. two dudes they brought in. And guess what they did? Negated it. They let them go out and walk around. My daughter went to a college in New York, a private college, and what happened, she lived with five girls. And three of the girls were friends, and the other two were just, they met when the first day they went there. So my daughter says, Ma, you wouldn't believe what happened. These three girls violated the policy. They brought these six guys in. They had kegs of beer. Security caught them. And you know what they did? They came up at 2 in the morning, and they told those girls they were being evicted from the college. And what the college did is first thing Monday morning, they got evicted, and they said, you put the other two roommates in that thing at risk. And my daughter called me from her cell phone and was fearful to God. And I called the local police, and I told them to get over there. So I think they should make this a presidential case. They should say, you come live in our dorm. You violate the rules. We'll kick your butt right out. And if you don't want to follow the rules, I'll tell you, I know BU only too well in their dorms. I know plenty of kids that went there. A lot of girls will bring fellas in. They sneak them in. They have parties. There's drugs and all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you, any parent putting a kid in a college, you got to make sure your kid locks their door, has some kind of an alarm that they can push because it's tough out there. No matter what college you go to, and shame on those boys, that girl's going to have to live the rest of her life with the trauma, the post-traumatic stress disorder trauma. They should pay for her professional counseling, and they should go and apologize to her because I think they are the true culprits. Because these colleges, their rules are only as good as they're followed by the students and as they're the backbone to kick people out. It's not about getting 100000 a year for a student. It's kick their butt out. If they're not following the rules, I went to a Catholic college. Kid had one year left, and he brought a keg of beer into the new dorm. His father had a load of money. They tried to pay the college off. You know what they said? Your son had a party, put a hole in our brand-new dorm wall. He's paying for that, and he's out of here. He's not getting his degree. And let me tell you, that college that I went to, word got around real quick. No kegs of beer went back into that dorm. And I think what they got to do, clear boundaries, set limits. Thanks, Diane. Thank you. Diane, absolutely. Uh, There are a number of colleges and universities who deal uh, very strongly and quickly with violations of their their rules, especially with respect to student housing, because it is a a, a very um, inflammatory situation a lot of times because of the the various factors that are involved with student life these days and the like. And and in part, that's what her case is is uh, stating as well is that well, BU has these rules and enforce the rules and and make us safer. Um, but the the you know there are a number of uh, people responsible as the plaintiff sees it here for for the condition that existed and and as BU and others ha- have pointed out in the case and there is some level of responsibility on the plaintiff's uh, part as well that as Bob points out that's going to be a decision down the road uh, because first you're going to have to show that there's some basis for liability and the facts that support it. 
against BU and BU security personnel for failing to deliver on the promises they made. So, um, you, you know, the worrisome thing as a parent and a, a, as, a, as a father who whose kids uh, all were away at school is that we do have an expectation that the schools will uh, look after our children, uh, and that may be a false expectation in many cases. Thanks, Diane. There she goes. Yeah, we need to break, but uh, I, I didn't catch whether or not the two the, – the persons who brought the kids in are on the hook in the suit. Yeah, I don't believe they are named. And why should, in why the, aren't they? Because well, the, I thought it's an excellent main... point as well because they violated the rules as well. I think in part the reason they wouldn't be there is they are likely you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old as well, um, and really aren't what what we lawyers would call a uh, pocket you, available. What about their, to, why wouldn't their parents be on the hook? No, too? parents aren't responsible necessarily for their children's uh, violations of the law. Or again. They're adults, right? I mean, you know, I remember when the kids were at school, they were telling us that since they're 18 now, you can't even get access to their grades without their permission. Um, and, And so unless they release that information. So even though a child is still, I'm paying the tuition bills and everything else, they're at the end of the day responsible for their own breaches and violations of the law. The parent isn't necessarily, even for minor children, there's some, uh, issues with respect to what that level of liability f- of a parent would be for um, a minor child who causes damage and the like. Okay. Well, before we break, I guess I'm going to just say that I feel like even if she had locked her door, that the school did create a dangerous situation, and that dangerous situation did result in problems. Well, and I, and I I like Bob's line. I could hear Bob and others saying it to a jury: "Is that no security is better than a false yeah. sense of security?" And and I think that that would likely resonate with people. We all know when we feel unsafe that we you know we move our wallet to our front pocket, we do different things uh, because because we're 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 street savvy. Oh yeah. Well, then maybe we ought to educate the students on our campuses that they need to be street savvy right. even in their own dorms. I, when I go on a trip, I don't even put my passport in the safe because I know that other people have access to the safe. I, I, I hide it underneath the safe. Well, now we all know. Well, you know, you, <laughs> Trust me, you don't know where my hotel is. All right, let's break, and then we'll get to Renee and Medford next on WBZ. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's WBZ, and we're with Michael Coyne talking about this case. Yeah, we we can't completely recap it, but a a woman sued a dorm because she says they did not provide the security they promised. That's the short version. And here's Renee in Medford. Say hi to Mike Coyne. Yes. Um. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Great. Good. How are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm calling. I I know you're talking about the BU case, but I just wanted to retract what happened in South Boston, and the reason for that because. I was a concierge uh, with that company with the conscience and that I worked 11 to 7, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I stayed awake. And my concern as a concierge is that 
there were individuals who worked with me who were coming to my building to go to sleep for two to three hours. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, and the building I lived in had access to everybody's keys to about maybe six to um, 800 individuals keys. So I felt responsible when I was working 11 to seven, you know, to watch the building. I did patrols. And what I didn't like was that when I would come in or when someone else would come in and you needed to get access to all the keys that we were using one person's number instead of our own individual number. So that such that if for the situation in South Boston, if I was a concierge in another building and being asked dispatched to cover a shift, I could come in with my suit and say, hi, I'm here from the agency. And then all of a sudden the person would leave and then I take over. So there's no type of security in terms of individuals, you're hiring individuals who are just normal people, and maybe they're not as conscientious as I was, as they, as I found out, because I worked with people who were sleeping instead of being awake for their job. And um, as again, as I said, I did call and when that happened, and I said that I didn't like the security system and that I could go one to two buildings, because they have many buildings, and you cover shifts, but you, the person who you take over doesn't necessarily know that you're actually the person that's supposed to be having access to the keys wow. but that was, so so for me that was a problem you know and I myself did have an incident in the building where there was an individual that had come in and the people requested him to leave and the, and the gentleman really wouldn't leave he sat outside the building he said he wasn't going to leave he said to call the police and I called the other concierges over and said listen I have someone in my building who won't leave I said you know that we have doctors that are coming back in and out and other individuals that believe that this, this building is secure and the fact is that this, this, this man for three hours was just sat outside the building and insisted, and he actually was arrested twice by the police. The police came once and they dropped him off, and he came back to the building and was. He, and then the police had to be called again, and he wanted to be arrested because he didn't know how to get back to New Bedford, wherever it was. So he spent the night in jail over the holiday and got a free ride home. And as I said, again, these agencies that are. Uh, pretending that they have security and and they and they the people are paying two to three thousand dollars a month for um rent however indeed the person who was the concierge the main person who had to get you had access to the building to, you know allow other people access to the building they were not conscientious people and um and even the individual who they hired i don't know how they hired him given the fact of his record and that's just sad to me because the people there really are paying money and they're paying money for ordinary people to fall asleep. Thanks, Renee. Anything to add to that? No, I mean, just the the, the point is, is that if people uh, are not worried about their security in their home because of assurances that they've made, uh, that their condominium association or others have made or the security um, system and the folks that operate that have suggested that it's safe, that it becomes the bigger problem is that we're not mindful of our own security. And uh, we, you know, one thing we do know is that we always have to worry about our own safety and um, protect ourselves first, even though uh, others have assured us that, that things may be otherwise. And Thanks, that, Renee. And Renee makes that point effectively. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, we don't have much time. Just tell me what, how it's going at school, where you're at. Uh, School's great. It's busy. Uh, we're going to be starting the next semester in another week or so. We start orientation next week, and the following week uh, we begin classes for a new semester. So it's uh, going to ramp up and get pretty busy. We're 
Um, looking forward to a good semester, and before we know it, we'll be underway. So a brand-new student, what's their first week like? Uh, probably pretty hectic, throwing a lot of information at them that they're trying to gather together and be able to figure out how to move through their first semester at law school. We have... You know, we have an orientation dinner, and we have we introduce them to a lot of the student groups and the faculty and staff members that they're going to see and give them a little introduction to the uh, American justice system and some issues to think about through the course of the semester as they're reading cases. And then we uh, talk to them later in the week about how to properly study and prepare and manage your time. Managing your time is, is a really important thing in law school and in every school, I think. Do you say, look to your left, look to your right. No, we don't do that. I, Dan and I were saying Those that. people won't be here next time. No, semester. we don't do that. Dan and I said, were saying that earlier tonight. Uh, Boston Latin, where we both attended, they did that. Herded us in this large auditorium with these names of Bullfinch and Brandeis and Kennedy around the room and said, look to the right, look to the left. We don't do that. We say, let's hold hands and see if we can all get to the finish line together. Michael Coyne, it's always so great to have you here. It's just spectacular. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.